Praise God. I want to ask a question to you today. Um, does the name John Allen Chow ring a bell with anybody? Does the name John Allen Chow ring a bell with anybody? I didn't think so. John Allen Chow in 2018 made news across the world. He made news across the world because he attempted to go on an island of unreached people in the North Sentinel Islands and bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was killed by the very people that he went to bring the gospel to. He was killed. By the time he got on the island, he was shot with an arrow. This is a primitive people. This is an unreached people group. He had a burden for them. He came to bring the gospel. When he finally got to shore, he was shot by an arrow. Uh, the fishermen that got them to the island um, saw that the natives were carrying away his body, uh, which was dead and was to be buried. As the word reached the world in the mass media, right? As, as it reached the mass media, that this young man was killed trying to bring the gospel to this unreached people group, the world summarily condemned the action. This made all the papers. Let me read you an excerpt from the Washington Post. The death of 26-year-old missionary from Washington State who broke a raft of laws and put the health of the indigenous people at risk has sparked international outrage, a heated debate about the protection of tribal communities, and at least two investigations by authorities in India. It also prompted soul-searching in the U.S. evangelical community which has been debating whether Chow was a martyr, a fool, or was afflicted with a Messiah complex. How they spun this one, huh? Isn't it amazing? And most articles, if you go online and you look at most of the articles, they are condemning. They are articles that say, well, he could have brought diseases that these people would have never have known and he could have wiped out the entire community. Why did he have to go? They have their own way of worshiping. You don't have to impose your Christianity upon them, etc., etc., etc. He was labeled a nut. He was labeled uh, just uh, an explorer, and he wanted to explore. Some people doubted his Christian virtues. But the overall significance, the overall tone of the world, was reprehensible. How dare, how dare this man come and share the gospel with these people groups? Yet to John Allen Chow, he did not consider his life more significant than his love for Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, his parents released his diary and his diary was updated right until the day before he died. So I have his last recorded thing. In it, he says, Lord, I don't want to die. But if I do die, who will take my place? And who will bring the gospel to these people? And in it, he wrote notes to friends 
and to his families in the event he was going to die. And I want to read to you one excerpt from his diary. And it says this. And this was to his parents and to his dearest friends. I pray that you will never love anything more in this world than you love Jesus Christ. Soli Deo glory. Gloria. To God be the glory. Now, if he were just an explorer, I don't think he would write these kind of words. Which prompts the question for all of us. The question we're going to explore today. What is Christ worth to you? What is Christ worth to you? This is a very serious topic. And each and every one of us have to define what is Christ's worth to us. What is Christ worth to us? What are we willing to give for Christ, leave for Christ, or sacrifice for Christ? And you know what? That determines our worth for Christ, how we feel. Now, I know a lot of times when we talk about this, we often ascribe very sentimental statements and feelings and appreciation for His death on the cross. Ask most people who would identify themselves as Christians or even take it a step further, would identify themselves as evangelical or may even identify themselves as Bible-believing Christians. Ask them all, there'll be a certain level of sentimentality associated with, oh, I can't believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But here's the, here's the principle. Does that translate into action? Does it translate into affection? Does it translate into desire? The question that we all have to answer for ourselves is, what is Christ worth to us? Listen, the Apostle Paul knew exactly, exactly what Christ was worth to him. And he responded clearly and, direct, and directly in Acts chapter 20. Turn on your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. I want you to read Paul's words. It's unambiguous. He knows exactly what Christ is worth to him. Acts 20, verse 24. This is Paul writing as he is heading to Jerusalem, as he has been warned not to go. Notice the answer from the Apostle Paul. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. You see those words there? I don't consider my life as dear to myself. And before he made this statement, the Apostle Paul, he counted the cost. He knew exactly what this was going to cost them. Look at verses 22 and 23. He says, And now behold, bound in the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions wait me. What was what was Christ worth to him? I'll tell you what it was worth to the Apostle Paul. It was worth his entire 
life. It was worth that he wasn't intimidated, that bonds and afflictions awaited for him. It was worth everything. What was not worth much to him was his very life in comparison to Christ. Is that a one-off? Is that just one instance we can cite of the Apostle Paul? No. Paul writes to the church at Philippi. Philippians 4.21 uh, uh, You know this one. Right? For me to live is what? What did Paul say? For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. In Philippians 3.8 he writes... More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You hear those words? Nothing is dear to me. The only thing that's dear to me is Christ. And I'll let it all go. I'll let it all go if it brings me closer to Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed even unto His death. That I may know Christ. I want to know Christ. Paul did not consider Christ's worth in the light of a soft and a comfortable existence. We know that. We know he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was persecuted, and the list goes on and on. He considered Christ within the context of a life of persecution, of bonds and of afflictions. And after all of that, as we saw in Acts 20, he can say, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to me. What is Christ's worth to you? David Brainerd was a missionary to the American Indians between 1742 and 1747. He was saved as a young man, but his life was radically changed upon hearing the preaching of the great evangelist George Whitfield during the First Great Awakening. David Brainerd would decide that he was going to be a missionary Yet his life was full of hardships, illness, and periods of deep, deep, deep depression. And as he went and he embarked for those five years he spent as a missionary to the Native Americans in the Delaware Valley, he saw God move among them. But within those five years, as a young man, he contracted tuberculosis. He used to cough so hard that he used to cough up blood. And his health began to fail. And he went through severe periods of depression. He would die in the home of the great American preacher Jonathan Edwards. 
On October 9, 1747, he was 29 years old. Jonathan Edwards found David Brainerd's diary after he had passed away and was so moved by the words that he wrote in his diary that Jonathan Edwards published his diary in 1749 under the title, The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. It is still in circulation today. I read it several years ago, and trust me when I tell you, it is worth the read. John Piper says of this diary, Brainerd's life is a vivid, powerful testimony to the truth that God can and does use weak, sick, discouraged, beaten down, lonely, struggling saints who cry to him day and night to accomplish amazing things for his glory. What was Christ's worth to David Brainerd? Listen to his own words. We should always look upon ourselves as God's servants placed in God's world to do His work and accordingly labor faithfully for Him, not with a design to grow rich and great, but to glorify God and to do all the good we possibly can. David Brainerd was able to answer what was Christ worth to him? What is Christ worth to you? Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was an American missionary with a heart very similar to John Allen Chow. He wanted to, to reach unreached peoples. He wanted to go where no one had brought the gospel before. In January of 8, 1956, 28-year-old, Missionary Jim Elliott was martyred along with four of his friends and partners. He was survived by his wife Elizabeth and their 10-month-old daughter Valerie. But it was in 1950 that a former missionary to Ecuador told Elliott about the Aka Indians, an unreached people group in Ecuador. And they were a small and a very fierce people, unreached in the jungles of Ecuador. Elliot sensed a call from the Lord to go and to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And after they made initial contact in 1956 with the Aka Indians, Jim Elliott, along with his four partners, went back. They landed their plane on a river, and they brought gifts for the people. And they were killed by the very people that they came to serve. And Elliott and the four died, died attempting to advance the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel before. After Jim Elliot died, his diary was published. As a matter of fact, it's at Wheaton College in Illinois, and it's all handwritten. You could see it there. But Jim Elliot 
wrote these words, and these are timeless words for us. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You're not a fool when you you give what you can't keep. You can't keep your life to advance, to give the gospel to that which you cannot lose. And it begs the question for each and every one of us, what is Christ's worth to you? What is Christ's worth to me? You know, the Scriptures have a lot to say about this. Jesus had a lot to say about this. And there's two parables, particularly I want to take a look at, that will tell you from Jesus' perspective what Christ is worth. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to look at two very short parables. The parable of the buried treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 44. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 44. And the Word of God reads as follows. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in, in a field, which a man found and hid, and from the joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Now the kingdom of heaven, if you've been with us on Tuesday night, we, we went through some of the parables, I think earlier this year or last year. Well, it had to be last year, right? This year is brand new. But the kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of God. It is the rule and reign, the complete rule and reign of God in the world. And this is talking about what the kingdom life looks like. So to find the kingdom of God is, as Jesus says in this parable, like finding a treasure. And nothing in this verse here indicates that the man was looking for a treasure. As a matter of fact, it looks like the treasure found the man. Look at Jesus' words. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found. Which a man found. It's very interesting here, without going through a side note of other theology, but it's very interesting here that we see this person who was probably, maybe perhaps plowing or something, or stumbled over it, but the treasure finds him. And it reminds me of what the Lord says in John 6, No man can come to me unless the Father draws him. Unless the Spirit of God begins the work of drawing him. And Jesus said, He draws him and I will raise him up on that last day. The Spirit is the agent of that drawing. It's the Holy Spirit that draws men and women to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that testifies of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who is the revealer of divine truth. And it is the Holy Spirit who convicts men and women of their sin. 
And without the drawing of the Spirit, no one would come to Christ. It's not our intellect that does that. It is a divine, supernatural work of the Spirit of God. Because why? Because our flesh and blood does not comprehend the things of the Spirit. The Bible's very clear about it. So we need somebody to illuminate us. We need someone to open our eyes. So this treasure stays hidden in the field, and suddenly this man in this parable finds it. What is it that he's finding? He's finding the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the gospel. He's finding the gospel. And at the center of the gospel is Christ. There is no gospel without Jesus Christ. Can we get an amen on that one? Christ is the center of the gospel. Christ is the gospel. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So this man is plowing and he stumbles upon the gospel. How many of you stumbled upon the gospel? I stumbled on the gospel when the gospel intercepted my life, I stumbled on the gospel. When I was pricked inside my heart, I stumbled upon the gospel. When the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin and my religiosity and everything that was flesh and showed me my need for a Savior and how I was bankrupt and broken, how I wept because I knew I was guilty before a holy God. And that gospel illuminated the grace of Jesus Christ. And for the first time in my life, I understood what it meant to repent. I understood what it meant to turn from my sin and turn to Christ. I understood desperateness and the desperateness that caused me to cry out and say, God, can you save a wretch like me? Notice. Notice in this small parable, he stumbles upon the treasure. And when he stumbles on the treasure, he receives it with joy. And now he knows, I need that treasure. I need it. So what does he do? He buries it up. He takes everything that he owns and he sells it and he buys that field. Now listen, this is a parable. A parable is a simple illustration. Don't go beyond the illustration. Don't say, oh, does that mean that we could buy our salvation? That is not what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching the response to the treasure. And the response to the treasure was, everything I got is worth this. I gotta have this. I gotta have Christ. I gotta have eternal life. Therefore, there's nothing I could retain. There's nothing, there's no price I can put it. I'll come with everything that I got and I'll buy that field because I must have Christ. What is Christ worth? Christ is worth everything to this man in this parable. No holes barred. In John 10, 27 through 30, 
our Lord talks about those who hear the voice of God, and he says this, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. One in nature, one in purpose. And here's the vital thing for us to remember about this parable. So full of joy is this person on finding that treasure of Christ that without any qualms, he sells everything. Look at the three examples that I gave you. John Allen Chow, David Brainerd, Jim Elliott. They didn't consider anything dear. They put it all to risk. And you know what? And the Lord took it. But they have an eternal reward that can never be taken away. Never be taken away. See, what we see in this parable here is this doctrine of self-abandonment. Self-abandonment. Lord, everything that I have, you have given me. The Apostle Paul would say, what is it that you have that has not been given to you? And the question we have to be, that we have to pose to ourselves is the same thing. What is it that you have that God has not given you? Everything comes from Him. Every good gift, as James says, comes down from the Father of lights in in whom there is no shifting, no variableness. Why is it that we as human beings have a tendency to cling and to want to hoard and to hold everything, everything we possibly can? When Christ opened up His arms and gave us everything upon the cross of Calvary. The believer in Christ sells out for Christ. Can I say something here? Our faith is not intellectual. Our faith is not merely a system of morals and ethics and beliefs. Our faith is born again of the Spirit. It is Spirit-empowered. It is supernatural. It is divine coming from the throne of God. The Holy Spirit taking residence within the believer. Dwelling, literally dwelling within the believer. It is God empowered. It is dunamis. God's enabling force and power within our lives. And the enemy of our faith would have you believe That you are in charge. You are the one. These are your things. You get to make the decisions. But you want to tell you something. You don't get to make the decisions. The believer sells out for Christ. What's the cost? It's everything. Everything. And the believer gladly does so.
Listen, when God opens the eyes of the unbeliever and saves them when they finally come into the presence of God and they see themselves before a holy God and they know that only Christ, only Christ can atone. As the hymn says, nothing to thy cross, nothing to thy cross I bring, only to thy cross I cling. then the worth of Christ is immeasurable. The gospel is the hidden treasure. And at the center of the gospel is Christ. Look at verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here we have another similar situation. Here's the pearl of great price. This time the character is not just an ordinary person, but the character is a merchant. Someone who knew something about pearls. And they're out there and they're searching and they're trading in rare pearls when all of a sudden they stumble upon a rare pearl. A valuable pearl. And what do they do? They take everything they have, every other pearl, they sell it, and they buy that rare pearl. They buy that real pearl. Who is that pearl? It's Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a terrible thing happening in the church world today. It's a terrible thing. If we have brought Christ down to such a humanistic level, you know, you hear people say, He's my best friend, the man upstairs. We have so lowered the majesty of Christ. And what have we done in its place? We have raised the majesty of man. But I'm here to tell you today that Christ is that rare pearl. And Christ is not ordinary. And Christ is not our best friend as we consider best friends. He is the Lord of glory. He is the everlasting. He is the final authoritarian judge. He will indeed judge the world in righteousness. Yes, He paid the penalty upon the cross, but He is a coming King and God. And every knee will, they will bow before Him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord to the glory of God the Father. Please, in your own devotion, in the way you think about Jesus, in everything you do, how you use His name, how you use it, do not, do not make Him ordinary. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. And He deserves all of the worship, all of the praise, all of the glory, now and forever and forever and forever. 
There are two different parables. Speaking about the value of Christ. And it begs the question, what is Christ worth to you? You know there's a cost to follow Christ. You know that, right? Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciple, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There is a cost to follow Christ. And the beginning of that cost is self-denial. Listen, don't take my word. Take Jesus' word. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. The church needs to learn a lot about denying themselves. Because to tell you the truth, most people in the church today don't deny themselves anything. Most people put themselves in the authority of God. Most people say, I'm going to choose to obey this, but I'm not going to do that. And they rationalize and they make mistakes. So you know what? It's a nice day outside. The beach weather must be good. Therefore, I'm going to the beach on Sunday. I'm not going to be in church because God doesn't care if I skip a Sunday in church. And that's the beginning of problems. When other things begun, be, be, begin to become preeminent over Christ, then you will find that Christ will lower in your mind and in your esteem and your worship is tarnished. There's a lot of people that think they're going to be in heaven on that great day that play games with the Lord. There's a cost to follow Jesus. And it begins with self-denial. And it comes with a great price. And as we've seen with John Allen Chow and David Brainerd and Jim Elliott, the love of Jesus Christ has to be the consummate passion of our life. The consummate passion of our lives. And we are to hold nothing dearer than Jesus Christ. You know that? We're to have no other gods before Him. We hold nothing dearer than Christ. There's a great Christian hymn I love. We're going to be singing it very soon. Not today, but in the very near future. It's called, Jesus, I My Cross Have Taken. It was written around the 1800s. I want you to hear the words to this song. Jesus, I My Cross Have Taken, all to leave and follow Thee destitute, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition, God and heaven are still my own. Let the world despise and leave me, they have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me, thou art not like them untrue. And while thou shalt smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends disown me. Show thy face and all is bright. What is Christ worth to you?
I want to tell you the story of three people that I have known to whom Christ was worth more than their lives. I know of a man who came to this country in 1917. He came with the clothes on his back, arrived at Ellis Island in New York City, lived in Spanish Harlem in New York City, and he came with the heart of the gospel. This man used to preach on street corners in New York City, in immigrant neighborhoods, dressed in a suit and tie. He would preach the gospel on street corners while drunkards and enemies of the faith would taunt him. They would go up to rooftops and throw buckets of water and on several occasions, buckets full of urine on him as he preached. He would wipe himself off and continue preaching. He didn't see many people saved, but was able to start a church with eight people in his tenement apartment. Ninety-three years later, that church is still there. That man was my grandfather, Pastor Jose Acevedo. I know a man, one of those original eight people who started that church. This brother was burned in an industrial fire. He was burned over 95% of his body with third-degree burns. In the emergency room, the doctors told his family to arrange for his funeral because he was not going to live through the night. They were wrong. He lived. He spent two years in the hospital. Two years. Two years. He had over 200 skin graft surgeries. He came out completely disfigured and deformed. But he loved Jesus Christ, his Savior and Lord. Never complained. Never cursed God. This man's name was Stanley Pizarro. And he was my Sunday school teacher. He was not highly educated, but knew more of a Christ through suffering than I will ever know. He took a liking to me until the day he died. And every time I would say goodbye to him, and in every conversation, he would say to me in Spanish, Hermano Marco, siempre adelante en Cristo. Which means, Brother Mark, we always go forward in Christ. I know a man who has forsaken this world and gives everything to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Living in the jungles of Guatemala where he raised his entire family in hammocks and a tent. Bringing the gospel to the indigenous people of the interior of Guatemala. Over 20 times, local peoples, drug cartels, and others have tried to kill him and failed. He has had guns to his head with the hammer cocked. He's had machetes to his neck. 
The drug cartels threatened him and said they were going to kill him, but before they kill him, they're going to rape his wife and his daughter in front of him so he would watch. And each time, the Lord has protected him and his family. As a result, he's planted well over 20 or 30 churches where people had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ before. In hostile locations. Drug cartels told them, you plant a church there, we're going to blow your mission up. Not only did he plant a church, but the people who threatened his life were saved and are now serving in that church. He provides medical, dental care, clean water, while advancing the gospel. His name is Mike Bean. And I am proud to call him a friend. What is Christ worth to you? Isn't Christ worth more than the 90 minutes we give him on Sunday? Isn't Christ worth more than all the shiny objects and all the distractions of the world? Isn't Christ worth more than our ease and our leisure? Isn't Christ worth more than our desires that aren't for Him? Will you today take up your cross and follow Jesus? Are you willing today to deny yourself And let Christ have total preeminence in your life. What I'm talking about is not intellectual belief. What I'm talking about is self-abandonment for Jesus. What we have to answer is where are the areas that are holding us back? Where are the places in our life where we're negotiating with Christ? Where are the areas where we're partially obedient? Well, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. Oh, I have the liberty to do this, but I, I'm not going to do that. Listen. What does God require? He requires everything. When we say we give our heart, we're not giving Him the physical organ. We're giving Him the center of our emotion and will. Is your will surrendered to Jesus Christ? Completely and totally surrendered to Christ? I had to come to a place this week where, I had, where God revealed ugliness in my heart. Where God revealed there's still areas of my life that are out of bounds and I still harbor 
these things. And it moved me to the point that I said, God, I'm a dirtbag. I'm filthy. What are you holding back from Christ and why? Is it your job? Is it your hobbies? Is it your money? Is it your pride? Is it your dreams and your aspirations and your desire? What are you holding and saying, Christ, I'm going to give you this, but you can't have that. What is Christ's worth to you? What you're willing to give, what you're willing to let go of, what you're willing to say, Father, you can have it all, will determine how much Christ is worth to you. Let's pray.